Kiram, brothers and elders. The topic we have today is a very difficult topic, topic which is not very pleasant to speak about, but many unpleasant things are necessary also. Just to understand very briefly, first and foremost, that what is the position that talaq has in terms of our deen, our shariat. One is that it is part of the completion of shariat. Allah Ta'ala speaks about it in the Quran Sharif, that al-yawma atmaltu lakum deenakum, wa atmamtu alaykum ni'mati, wa raditu lakum al-islam deena. Allah Ta'ala says, today I've perfected for you your deen. And this ayat was revealed, it was hajjatul wada'a, by that time, all the ahkam had already been revealed. Allah Ta'ala says, I have perfected for you your deen. And part of the perfection of deen is also inclusive of the aspect of talaq in it. But to understand this in context, that all the limbs of the body, for example, and they are healthy, are fine, everything, alhamdulillah, is doing its job. But sometimes some limb gets ill. When it gets ill, the hand is paining, it's treated, and sometimes it goes beyond just being ill. Sometimes there's even a stroke, Allah forbid, becomes paralyzed. But it's still treated and carried on, life carries on. Sometimes there comes a point when it goes to the level of, for example, a person has very severe diabetes, whatever the case is, now gangrene has set in. And in order to now save this person, it becomes necessary to amputate the foot. Amputate some toes maybe, and sometimes amputate the foot, and sometimes Allah forbid even more than that. So that amputation also is rahmat. But it is only at the last resort, when everything else was done, and nothing else would now help. So to rule out the amputation, that amputation is something that should never exist, that too is wrong. But to bring on the amputation because of some minor pain, to bring on the amputation because a person doesn't want to exhaust all the other avenues of treatment, that too is wrong. But amputation, this is the level of talaq, that it is the aspect of amputation when everything else has now failed. There is no other avenue open. So deen has made provision for this, but at the level of amputation. And because this is as a last resort, Nabi Wasallam says that in the abghadul halal indallahi at-talaq, all the permissible things, the most detested to Allah Ta'ala is talaq. The most detested. In one hadith, Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi addresses Hazrat Mu'az radiallahu anh, and he says to him that, O oh, Mu'az, Allah Ta'ala hasn't created anything more beloved to him than setting a slave free. And then further Nabi Sallallahu says, وَلَا خَلَقَ اللَّهُ شَيْئًا عَلَىٰ وَجْهِ الْأَرُضِ أَبْغَدَ إِلَيْهِ مِنْ talaq." 
Allah Ta'ala hasn't created anything on the surface of this earth more detested in his sight than talaq. So, when this is such a detested thing, it's obvious that it should be non-existent almost. It should be only at that level of amputation. And you don't find every second person walking around with amputated foot. You'll find long queues at the hospital. You'll find the specialist rooms full. You'll find the surgeries full maybe. But you don't find every second person walking around without a foot. That is as a last resort. So when this is what should be the level, it is obviously something very alarming. At the rate at which talaq is taking place in our communities. Now this is not a very straightforward issue. No simple answer can be given. It is not some quick fix solution that can work. There are very complex situations. But there are certain things if we bear in mind then it will assist us to understand how we should be conducting ourselves in whichever level. The level of the husband, whether if it is the wife, in her level, her capacity, or whether it is the in-laws on either side, or the extended family, everybody has a role to play in maintaining this bond. The Quran even addresses the various parties. That what is their role in terms of keeping this bond together? Because among the things that create the greatest amount of misery, heartache, torment, and distress, and anxiety, and add all the other synonyms of these kind of words that you want, perhaps there is something as much as talaq that causes all this. The amount of difficulties and problems it brings in its wake. So... Therefore, deen has given guidance in how this bond has to be maintained to prevent this. That it, the provision is there, but the provision is at the level of amputation. And if it is happening before amputation, then there's something wrong. And the tragic situation, unfortunately, is, not long ago I was told about one nikah that lasted, it took place at night, and it finished off before the morning. Before the morning had come, that nikah was over. So, what is the reason for these things? Why is this happening? Where have we gone wrong? Something has gone wrong somewhere, because this was not the case. So, we need to explore some of those reasons. Where are we falling short? Is there something that has changed in our outlook? So, before getting to that, one hadith of Rasulullah which has a Jabir radiallahu reports, and he says that Nabi Sallallahu said that inna iblisa yada'u arshahu alal ma daily iblis shaitan he puts his throne on the water on the ocean and then summa yab'athu sarayahu he then sends out his henchmen all his deputations of shayateen to go and create fitna this is a word that is used and his further Islam says that Adnahum Manzilatan Indahu Aazamuhum Fitnatan. The one who is the closest to Iblis is the one who can create the most amount of fitna. So now the whole day they're all out, they're busy. Then they come back, and now they come back to give the report of what they did. 
So one fellow comes and he says, I did this and I did that and whatever. Uh, I caused somebody to maybe miss his namaz and I did something to mislead somebody else. So Iblis says, uh, you didn't do anything much. Fine, nothing serious, nothing great. As I say, nothing to write home about. So eventually one fellow comes and he says, that I got behind one fellow and I just stayed behind him to the point I made that separation occur between him and his wife. So Iblis says, Naam anta, yes, you are the right fellow. And he calls him forward. He hugs him. You did the job. You are the one who did something that's worthy of taking note. So this is shaitan's biggest achievement. And when we are aware, Allah's Nabi is giving us this upfront that this is shaitan's greatest achievement. So everybody is going to be running for the prize. All the henchmen are going to be trying who's going to get the prize. So all will be trying to do the same thing, to get the first prize. So when we are explained already by Nabi Islam, what is the situation, we have to be even more on our guard. The shaitan, how will shaitan try to create this? So in any case, the point now is that shaitan will use various strategies and ways to try and create this mischief, this fitna, to create this tafriq between a rajuli wal mar'a, between a person and his wife, how he can destroy this bond. Because it's not just the destruction of one relationship. In its wake, it will destroy the children. It will create enmity between two entire families. Now, the person, when he gets married again, Allah knows, in the interim, he's a man still. The doors for shaitan to take him to other fitnas are now open. And everybody else is in a similar situation. So it's not just one thing that is the consequence of this talaq and this breakdown. It's a wake of, in its wake, there's a whole host of problems that come. And therefore, shaitan, this is his first prize. Because he's got no other job but to create fitna. So what are the things that we have to be taking note of? What are the things that will protect this bond? What has gone wrong? What has changed from before that has now created this surge in the number of talaks that are taking place? Now, as we mentioned earlier, there are many, many aspects. This is no simple, straightforward thing. And neither can it be pinpointed that this is the main aspect or that is the main aspect, but it's a combination of so many things. But nevertheless, some of these things are the things that we need to take note of very seriously. The first aspect that comes to mind is that what has changed drastically is the lifestyle. There was a certain lifestyle before. And there's a certain general lifestyle nowadays. And what has become the lifestyle generally? We have come very, very much closer to the West in our lifestyle. We do perform our salah, alhamdulillah. Many do perform their salah regularly. Many would be regular with their tilawat of the Quran Sharif also. Would be regular with their zikr and tasbih. And be partaking in various uh, effort of deen in various ways. We would even be maybe making tahajjud salah and various other things. But in terms of our mindset, in terms of our lifestyle, on a general note, many exceptions, alhamdulillah. 
But on a general note, we have become highly westernized. And one of the core aspects of this western lifestyle is that everybody is outside the home. The husband is outside the home. That has always been the case, that he was responsible for the work outside the home. And even the wife is outside the home. So now everybody is outside. So when everybody is outside, it's an unnatural system. And hence the end result is that in the West, there's one in two homes is a broken home. One in two homes is a single parent home. Because an unnatural system, it can't work. Allah's Nabi Wasallam set the natural system. And for who he set it? For the queen of Jannat. Hazrat Fatima radiallahu ta'ala anha. Zamara bin Habib radiallahu anhu explains that Qada Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa ala ibnatihi Fatima bi khidmatil bayt. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa he passed the decision, he set the system, he made the tartib and the nizam that the work of the house will be done by Hazrat Fatima radiallahu ta'ala anha. The queen of Jannat, but you'll do all the housework. To the extent that Hazrat Ali radiallahu anhu one day, he says to her that why don't you go and request for that slave that Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam has that you can then be relieved of all this hard work. And when Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam comes, she couldn't even put the request because somebody else was there, she was too shy to even say it. She didn't even make the request on her own. When Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam comes later to find out what had happened, what you came for. Again Hazrat Ali speaks up. Says that she has to do all this hard work. She has to grind the flour. Her hands are full of blisters. Who? The queen of Jannat. Her hands are full of blisters. She has to carry the water bag on her shoulder. This water bag has left marks on her neck. And now she and she has to keep sweeping the house. Her clothes are dust laden. In the niran, and she has to keep cooking by the fire to the extent that her clothes are all blackened in that soot, in that fumes. So therefore I told her, come and request one slave. And who is doing all this? The queen of Jannat. If Nabi Salaam gave one slight indication to somebody, they would have provided not one, ten servants. And here she's come to ask for some servant who Nabi Salaam has the right to give her. And he says to her, Ya Fatima, Ittaqillah. Fatima fi Allah Ta'ala. Wa'budi Rabbaki. You obey your Rabb. Fulfill the, all the commands of Allah Ta'ala. Wa ta'ala. And wa'mali amala ahlik. And continue doing the work of your family. And then Nabi Islam says, You want a servant? I give you something better than a servant. He gives a tasbih Fatimi. And he says, khairun laki min khadimin. This is better for you than a khadim, than a servant. And Fatima says, Raditu anillahi wa an rasulihi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. I am happy with Allah and his rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. This tasbih is better for me than a servant. And he doesn't give her the servant. But there was a lesson being taught. That this household, there's no problem. In fact, this is also part of the duties of the husband that he should provide a servant within his means. Allah's Nabi Islam set another standard. The lesson that we go to draw from here is that he, uh, he made this decision that indoors will be Hazrat Fatima radiallahu ta'ala anha. وَقَدَا عَلَىٰ عَلِيٍ بِمَا خَارِجًا مِنَ الْبَيْتِ مِنَ الْخِدْمَةِ And Hazrat Ali will be responsible for what is outside the home. Now this western lifestyle, everybody is outside. 
So when everybody is outside, the first casualties are the children. That they are now given to commercial upbringing. Some crash and some daycare center and whatever else. So now this whole system is going haywire. And then the career of the girl is indoors. But now anything less than metric is unimaginable. That is unimaginable. What can it be imagined? That something less than metric for a girl? This is like talking in some stone age or something. But what has become the end result? The issue is that we have now trained our daughters for everything but homemaking. They are very highly educated in everything else but homemaking. And many a times it happens now that suddenly a good proposal has come. So now she has to undergo a crash cause of homemaking. And crash causes often cause crashes. That's a sad reality. So that responsibility already lies on the parents that what direction they have to take their children in. We have already... Now when somebody has been trained in a certain way, for years she is outdoors. It's not in the system to do anything else. That crash cause doesn't create a, anything within. It's just something on the surface. Something on the surface after one month, two months now, you can't carry on with it. You're bored with it. Because it's not in the system. The system is to be outside. The system is not to be inside. And when there was a time when it was, the system was to be inside, over time there was a training that was carrying on. It wasn't formal. It was very informal. But all the time there was some training carrying on between mother and daughter. But now the mother is not at home and the daughter is not at home also. And everybody is in their own, as they say, chakkar. As a result, we all end up in the chakkar then. So this Western lifestyle is unfortunately one of the very major factors. The Western uh, life has already given, the, the, the statistics are talking about the end result. That one in two homes is a broken home. So if you're going to adopt that life, it will come with these consequences. It will come with that end result. So this is one major factor that we have to look very deeply into. There's a flood, there's a tsunami going in a direction. And now to swim against the flood waters is not easy. You say, something is wrong with you, you want to take your daughter out of, she hasn't even finished primary school. Which age are you living in? And nowadays many a person, I've heard him say that he has to undertake this career. What if she gets divorced tomorrow? Unfortunately, that very career led to a divorce. And these are not hypothetical situations. And the tragic part of it is, these are all real life situations that come up from time to time, which have to be dealt with very, with great difficulty. So in any case, one aspect is time is very limited. We have to look very deeply within ourselves in terms of the lifestyle that we are taking, we are adopting. This Western lifestyle will come with these consequences. And there's just a lot of glitter and glamour on the top. There's a lot of shine, but there's a lot of rot under it. It's just all covered up with shiny paper. There's a lot of rot under it. And there's a miserable life under it. Outside it seems like a very glamorous life. But look under the surface and it's total misery. Part of this Western lifestyle is that values have left us. And materialism has set in. Before there were values. There was tolerance. Five families would live under one roof. And they would share one communal toilet and bathroom. 
There are many, many people around to tell us this story still up to today. For most of us, maybe up to even my age, it's very difficult to imagine it. But there are many people still around who are present to give testimony to it. That four families, five families would be living in the same house, sharing one bathroom and toilet. And life carried on. And it carried on smoothly. Every life has its ups and downs. But there were values. There was something known as tolerance. Everybody had a very high threshold of tolerance. There was a very high threshold of sabr. There was something which was, everybody understood what was something like overlooking the next person's faults. The values of forgiveness. Let it be, it doesn't matter. Carry on. So there were values. Now everything is instant gratification. I must have it my way now. And I must be happy first. And I must be happy most. Then everybody else, somebody stays happy, somebody is crying, that is a separate issue. But I must be happy first, most and now. So the whole, and this is the western lifestyle. This is what the western lifestyle is all about. And the western lifestyle with this type of life, it all revolves around just the dunya and entertainment and that's it. Values then become something very, very remote. And among those values, one of the main issues that keeps this bond going and keep these relationships in general going is the aspect of akhlaq. And to the extent that akhlaq has been emphasized with regards to marriage, perhaps it has not been emphasized in any other context of any relationship context. In the hadith, Nabi says to the Sahaba Ikram, Akmalul Mu'minina Imanan Ahsanuhum Khulukan. The Mu'min with the most perfect Iman is the one who has the best akhlaq. And then further now, this is a full message. The Beast further says, وَخِيَارُكُمْ خِيَارُكُمْ لِنِسَائِهِمْ Now we're talking about the best person. The Beast says, the best among you is the one who is best to his wife. Who has the best akhlaq to his wife. In another hadith, Nabi Beast says that there is nothing weightier on the scales of good deeds on the day of Qiyamah. مِنْ خُلُقٍ hasan. Then good akhlaq, this is the weightiest on the day of Qiyamah. So the aspect of akhlaq, to keep that bond going, both parties would have to adopt the akhlaq of Rasulullah Allah's Nabi what akhlaq he showed. Unfortunately nowadays it's my way or the highway. It cannot work like that. My way or the highway, it cannot work like that. Person says, no, she must just stay under my thumb. One person, where they make the stories up, I don't know, probably that Lal Kitab one, but one person, somebody had trapped one jinnad, one bottle. So one person didn't even know it was there. He opened the bottle up, so the jinnad came out. So he got very happy, got released. So he told Fala, okay, whatever you wish is, I'll try to do what you want. It's because some jinnads can do some amazing things. So the fellow said, you, you see now actually, I keep going to China so often. Just one highway now, you know, to fly all the time is difficult. One highway straight to China. So the jinnad said, now please now be reasonable now. You know, cross the oceans and so on, highway to China. Ask for something reasonable now. So he said, okay, he thought for a while, he said, well, okay, this much only, 
just, you know, my wife must just listen to everything I say. She must just be under my thumb. So now the jinnat started thinking. So he asked him, okay, that highway, how many lanes you want? Two or three. <laughs> so that is something easier for him. So this doesn't work. This my way or the highway, this is something which it cannot, one can never expect anything like that to work. Nabi Islam has taught us with the akhlaq, that how things will be kept running smoothly with akhlaq. And to the extent that there were occasions when Nabi Islam even tolerated various things from his wives, which out of that context of marriage, it would have been seen in a very different light. That how can the Nabi of Allah Ta'ala be responded to like this? But Nabi Islam didn't even reprimand or anything, it's fine. Because in the context of marriage, many of these things are tolerable. And they are meant to be tolerated. Provided it is not something clear cut out of shariat. Any contravention of the command of Allah Ta'ala. Many of these things Nabi Islam very kindly just tolerated it and just overlooked it. And set the example that one will have to live with akhlaq. So the aspect of akhlaq. And from this akhlaq, one specific aspect of akhlaq is tawazu and humility. And because of the lack of this humility, because if something happens, nobody is prepared to humble himself. I must have it my way and I must be the one who is right. If something has happened, then it must be acknowledged that I am right. For me to say, okay, my mistake, not possible. And likewise, anybody else also, for them to say their mistake, not possible. So what is the end result? So from akhlaq, in the specific aspect of tawazu, now these things to talk about it in one little sitting is not going to change anything. What is required is to have, to make that effort to learn about these things. To sit in the company of the Ahlullah, the Mashaykh, and to learn what is the reality of this. What kind of akhlaq is meant to be displayed? That we are present, presently the West again, the same Western lifestyle, everything is revolving around demanding rights. Everybody must demand their rights. Husband must demand his rights. Wife demand her rights. The parents, their own rights. Children, their rights. Everybody must demand their rights. As a result, what is the end result of that kind of lifestyle? The end result is broken relationships, broken families, broken everything, and only the courts are full. Only the courts are full. All the homes are empty. The homes are empty of that warmth. The homes are empty of that love, of that muhabbat. The homes are empty. It's just houses. Palatial houses, no homes. And the courts are full. But deen has taught us duties. The husband has been taught duties. Addressing the husbands. That treat them kindly. And if you dislike something, then maybe you dislike something, but Allah Ta'ala has placed great good in it for you. The wife has been taught duties. Nabi Islam is teaching the wives. If I had to give anybody an order to make sajda to anyone besides Allah Ta'ala, I would have ordered the wife to make sajda to the husband. She's being told about what is her duty in terms of obedience to the husband. But the husband is being told what kind of kindness he must show. So, deen hasn't taught it. 
spelled out the rights of everybody, but didn't teach us any way to demand rights. It taught us to fulfill our duties. And if every person is fulfilling his duties, there won't be anybody left to demand any right. So this aspect of akhlaq will help to fulfill these duties. And in particular, the aspect of tawazu. Then to take it further from there, one major aspect, which becomes a very big stumbling block in many a marriage, is the lack of qanaat. The lack of contentment in either one of the two parties or in both parties. Now when there's a lack of qanaat, now there's a chase to so-called make the, to improve the quality of life. But that merely means to have more worldly possessions. In the Western terminology, improve the quality of life means you must have more worldly possessions. Whereas worldly possessions doesn't promise any quality of life. Sometimes people with much worldly possessions have no life. So, now this aspect of qanaat, one brother who's here from Palestine, been around for a couple of weeks, so he was just discussing something, and he mentioned that some 10-12 years ago, some kind of whatever system some people started off, and people were being given loans, whatever the manner of it was, he didn't go into the detail, whether it was part of some kind of Sharia banking, or whether it was something else, Allah knows best. So because these loans were now available, now people started taking these loans wholesale. And after this 10 years have passed, there's a huge sector of people that are deep in debt. They're deep in debt. Because now you're buying things which you don't need, which with money you don't have. And just sometimes in order to impress somebody you don't like. This is the how things go after that. We buy things which we don't need, with money we don't have, to impress people we don't like. So, this has now, in this 10 years that have passed since it started, thousands of people are deep in debt. But that's one part of it. He says when something that has happened jointly is, the rate of divorce has risen by about 40%. Now, outward it may seem unrelated. It could be due to many other factors as well. But it is often very deeply related. In cases that come up, this is very often a situation that it comes down to simply that so-and-so has this and so-and-so has that. Why don't we have this also? And now one thing leads to another. And as a result, now things are tense. That tension then keeps building. And as a result, then that spills over into other things. And then non-issues become issues. And from nothing, it became a mountain. And that's the end of it after that. Now this aspect of qanaat, contentment, nafs, the true wealth is the wealth of the heart. And if there's contentment, there's happiness. Happiness doesn't come from possessions. Happiness comes from contentment. And the real wealthy person is the one with qanaat. Otherwise it's just, there's no, no end to it. So this is another aspect. Again, we're just touching on the captions. The details is for some time, Allah ta'ala gift of it the very great book, Fazail al-Sadaqat of Sheikh al-Hadith Maha Zakariya sahab rahmatullahi. There's a whole detailed chapter in this regard, which is a must 
to read for every person. This is something we should be reading with our families. In fact, the whole kitab itself, it's an encyclopedia. There's so much that brings in terms of relationships. It brings the reality of life. What is our direction? There's a whole section on family relationships. There's a whole section on moth. If a person has his death in front of him, then he's got the goalposts. A person doesn't have the goalposts in front, not the, probably the ideal example to take in the masjid, but like a person now, he's dribbling in the middle of the field, an expert dribbler. He's just going round and round and showing all kinds of styles and whatever else, but he's not heading in the direction of the goalpost. He's going to waste his time. They're going to kick him off the field because he doesn't know what's the direction. He's not going towards the goal. So like this, if a person doesn't have death in front of him, there's akhirat coming. Then he's going to keep going in circles until suddenly the death will take him away. So in any case, this aspect of qanaat, then we have already, in fact, passed the time that is allocated. I'll just finish on one more aspect to move on. As we said, that in the time that we have, we can barely just touch on the captions to go into any detail is not possible. To go once beyond the couple, we are talking about talaq. So often this is just understood to be an aspect between spouses. But there's a responsibility between, uh, upon people around them as well. There are things which happen between any fam- in any family, any couple, there are some ups and downs. Life is a journey, and a journey is not one kind of terrain all the time. Sometimes it's a garden route, and sometimes it's a desert. It's a karoo also. So it's all kinds of terrain a person goes through. But if a person focuses on the destination, he knows his karoo will pass. Just now the person will see the scenery again. So in any case, the issue is that sometimes these ups and downs happen. And when these ups and downs do come, others around have a duty as well. Many a times we understand our duty to be is to become involved in the issue itself. Whereas that is a major mistake. Our responsibility as parents, as elders of the family, as people of society, relatives in the extended family, our duty is not to get involved in the issue. Our duty is to resolve the issue. There are worlds apart, getting involved in the issue and resolving the issue. Once, Hazrat Ali and Hazrat Fatima radiallahu ta'ala anha, kana bayna aliyin wa Fatimata, bayna Fatimata wa aliyin kalamun. There was some little argument or whatever. They were also human beings, they were insan. And Allah Ta'ala made it happen. So that we will learn how these things are meant to happen. So Nabi Sallallahu came. So now he came what he came to do. He came to now fight for his daughter. Astaghfirullah. No, Nabi Sallallahu didn't come to do that. He came to maybe straighten Hazrat Ali radiallahu anhu out. No, no, he came and falam yazal bihima hatta asla, falam yazal hatta aslaha bihima baynahuma. He then the details are not given, but he continued what he had to do until he created happiness again among them. And then he came out really smiling. So somebody asked him, we saw you going in, but you had a different expression on your face, and you came out very elated and very happy and joyful. The beast asked him, said, why shouldn't I be happy when I've created peace between the two most beloved people to me? Now this is the lesson. The lesson is not to get involved in the issue. 
The lesson is to resolve the issue. The Quran Sharif also gives us this directive that sometimes it might escalate beyond just the normal situation. Then to the requirement is to resolve the issue. Allah Ta'ala says, if you fear dissension, you feel now, if this is not going to be attended to, the gangrene might set in. It might become a situation of amputation then. Then before that becomes a situation, do something about it. And what you should do? Send an arbitrator from her side and an arbitrator from his side. But what is their duty now? If these arbitrators, if their intention is to resolve, if their intention, that intention is vital, their own intention is this, their intention is not to go and represent their client. Their intention is not to go and fight for the rights of their family person. Their intention is not to go and just demand something. Their intention is Allah Ta'ala says, if their intention is to bring about resolution, Allah Ta'ala will bring unity between the spouses. So the extended family, the parents, etc. have been also given some duty. But the duty is not to get involved. The duty is to resolve. And that resolution requires that they have to act with more tact. Unfortunately, many a times, the couple have come down to some lower level. Others around them come down to even lower levels. If the husband called his wife some ugly names, and if she responded in light manner, then both people's parents come down in the whole fray and they call each other with even worse names. Whereas what is the requirement now? The requirement that is now getting involved and making it worse. The requirement is now to come to vanity. That look, this is not the way to carry on. This is not the way that Nabi Islam has taught us. To come to a point of resolution, we add fuel to the fire. So all these are complicated and complex issues. And when all these things become combined, we find what is happening in society. So there isn't any quick fix solution. The solution is to come back entirely onto deen. To come back onto the way of life that Nabi Islam has taught us. To come back on that khlaq. To come back on that tawazu and humility. To bring back that qana'at and contentment in our lives. To bring back all those values. The value system of deen. To move away from this western way of life. This western lifestyle. And to recognize the mischief of shaitan. So this is not something that is a once-off talk that is going to resolve something. This is a concerted effort that we have to make at every level on a family level, on an individual level, within the extended families, in society at large, to come to that frame of mind which will bring about that happiness, that tranquility, that peace within families, and which will stem this tide, this flood that is going on of marriages breaking down. Sometimes they are, as we said, it's part of the perfection of deen that there is a provision for this also. Sometimes it comes to the point of no return. Sometimes there's major factors from either side. It could be the husband is the person responsible. It could be sometimes the wife is the one that's responsible. It could be something beyond the control of both parties. But those are meant to or should have been the isolated cases. That should have been the isolated cases. Unfortunately, that is becoming far more than the isolated case. And this is what is something that we should be very concerned about. We should be making dua as well. 
we should be making this effort to bring the life of Rasulullah alive again. At the moment it is there in the books, it is on the shelves, it is in print, in media, and it is spoken on the member, and it's everywhere but in our lives. Illa mashallah. The time has come to bring this alive within ourselves, in our families, this talim for that is essential. This is what will bring alive those values and all the other efforts of deen that are taking place. We become part of it. We bring alive the sunnats, one one sunnat at a time, learn one sunnat, discuss it with our families. Allah ta'ala give us tawfiq. Wa akhiru da'wana alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. There was meant to be any questions and answers, but I don't think we have any time for that. Anybody needs to ask anything, inshallah, after dua also you can ask, if you're not obstructing anybody from leaving. Or Dar is here, the ulama in our communities, we can find out from them, inshallah. Allahumma laka alhamdu kulluhu wa laka shukru kulluhu. Allahumma la nuhsi thana'an alayk anta kama athnayta ala nafsik. Jazallahu anna nabiyyana muhammadan sallallahu alayhi wa sallam bima huwa ahlu. Rabbana ghulamna anfusana wa illam taghfil lana wa tarhamna ala nakunanna minal khasirin. Rabbi ghfir wa arham wa afu wa takarram wa tajawaz amma ta'lam innaka anta al-a'azul akram. Rabbana tawaffana muslimin wa alhiqna bishuhada'i wa salihin غير خزايا ولا نداما ولا مفتونين اللهم إنا نسألك من خير ما سألك منه نبيك وحبيبك سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم ونعوذ بك من شر ما استعاذ منه نبيك وحبيبك سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم أنت المستعان وعليك البلاغ ولا حول ولا قوة إلا بالله العلي العظيم وصلى الله تعالى على خير خلقه سيدنا محمد وآله وأصحابه أجمعين سبحان ربك رب العزة عما يصفون وسلام على المرسلين والحمد لله